Yes, Lord, we thank you for those who have saw the light. We were lost in darkness. We were lost in our sin. But your amazing grace brought us into the light. How many of you know that every salvation is a miracle from God? And this morning we are excited for baptism as those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are going to publicly declare that they're dying to their old self and they're going to be raised up, resurrected with Christ into a new creation. And we want to rejoice with them this morning because the Bible says that angels rejoice over every single person that comes to Christ. So let's stir up our joy this morning. Let's focus on the goodness of God. Let's thank God for all the good that he has done. Let's praise his name as we continue to sing. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Oh. Let the songs. Let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the joy of the King Rise among us, let it rise. Sing oh, let it rise. Sing oh, let it rise. Come on, let's praise and rise.
against the world. And there ain't nobody like Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's turned my graves into gardens. He set, my, he set me free from sin. And I'm just so thankful this morning. If you know this, sing it with us. I search the world, but it couldn't feel me. Bands empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. Satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you.
morning. Welcome to church. So glad to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. As Pastor Josh mentioned, we are baptizing today. And so if you plan to be baptized, make sure that your belongings are out in the house of prayer prior to your dismissal from service so that we can get started quickly once we get over there. If you need help, uh, assistance in any way, please see an usher and they'll be glad to provide any help that you may need as a church. We are going to commit to pray for the ones that will be baptized today as they begin their walk with the Lord. This Wednesday, September 7th, two days from now, we will, three days from now, we will meet this Wednesday night together, one hour, 6.30 to 7.30. Mark your calendars. Child care will be provided. We're going to come in with just an informal worship, a song or two. Pastor Kevin's going to do a teaching, and then we're going to have a time of fellowship with some cookies and coffee afterwards. And this is for people who just want to grow deeper in their walk with the Lord, who want to be an influencer of other people and just learn how to navigate through these end times. As we live in crazy times in the world, but just learning how to navigate through those and just be yoked to Jesus. So if you want to be a part of this week, Wednesday night, encourage you to mark your calendar. Be here 6.30 to 7.30. We are so looking forward to it. And then we are also excited next Sunday, September 11th, Pastor Larry Stockstill will be here ministering in our Sunday morning worship service. And we so look forward to hearing the word that the Lord has placed on his heart. We are so honored that he is taking time out of his busy schedule to come and be a part of our services. It's always been a blessing to our church and to our family, and so we encourage you to invite your family and friends to come be a part of next week's service uh, at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. And then we do want to make you aware we have a sign-up sheet out for our next parent commitment service. You may have heard this called baby dedication at some churches, but we like to say parent commitment because really it's about the parents committing to raise their children in the ways of the Lord and to raise them in church and to see them saved and pray that they're saved at a young age and love the Lord and serve him all the days of their lives. The Bible says raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So if you have a new addition to your family, we're going to be having our parent commitment service the last Sunday of this month, September the 25th. And so you can sign up at the guest services desk to be a part of that. Our missions offering focus today is going to be for Life International Ministries, the ministry of James Robertson. Robinson particularly will be giving today to his mission feeding program. And you know that he and his wife have done an excellent job through the years at feeding the hungry children of the world. When I was looking and read that the today, still today, they feed over 350 thousand children every day in Africa in the villages and surrounding areas. You know, the number one leading cause of death in children under the age of five in underdeveloped countries is malnutrition. And so still over three million children die yearly 
from malnutrition and starvation. But this bowl of food daily contains the nutrients that they need to stop the cycle of malnutrition and death and to impart hope into the hearts of those children and their parents and those in the village around them. You know, just feeding them without giving them gospel-centered hope doesn't meet the full need. But James Robinson does a great job in doing both, feeding the hungry children of the world and delivering them hope through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're excited to be able to partner with them today through our missions offering. So ushers, if you would come forward at this time to receive our morning missions offering, let's stand, welcome one another as you bring your offering forward today. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. I guess I'm just, I'm like, is it always that dark back there? I don't know what, what I'm just kind of, I get lost like that every now and then. 
But it is good to see you in the house of the Lord today. And I don't want to see you. You can keep them down. You can go lower if you need to. Amen. Um, as long as you can see me and hear me today, that's going to be the most important thing because I have a word from the Lord today. My prayer is that your heart's ready to, and, and softened and humbled and your ears are anointed to hear God's word today. It is a privilege to come and stand before you today. I want you to understand that anything a president would say, anything that would come forth through our Congress, anything that would come forth from any ruler around the world is not as important as what's coming through our pulpits around the world today. Can I get an amen there? So God help us as we do. I want to talk to you about a couple of men today. It's a story in the Word of God. Most of you know this story and maybe you've heard some aspect of it today. These two men can really help us as they are transformed from unbelief and put in a position of faith and hope. The setting is Sunday morning, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the women went down to prepare the body, the stone is rolled away. There's two men there in dazzling clothes, dressed in white. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. The women are excited. They run down. They tell the disciples, the 11, at that point, it's like idle tales. They don't believe it. Peter runs down himself, sees the empty tomb. He is amazed. And the Bible says on the very same day, on that Sunday morning, two men were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a small village seven miles away, and they're talking about all that went down this, this morning. Their eyes are restrained, and Jesus comes and starts walking with them. They don't know who it is. Jesus is in his glorified state, or maybe their eyes are just restrained by the Holy Spirit. Where, I don't know. But Jesus walks up and says, what is this that you are discussing that you are so dejected and sad? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, they say to Jesus? Don't you know what went down? Jesus, the prophet, who was mighty in word, and indeed, we were expecting him to be the Messiah. We were trusting. We were hoping. But they killed him. Now we're bewildered, and we don't know what's going to become of all this stuff. And Jesus said, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to come in to his glory? And so Jesus walks with them the seven miles to Emmaus, and he is expounding them a teaching about the Christ and Moses and the prophets. When they got to the village, Jesus would have went further. They said, hey, won't you stay with us and eat supper with them? And he complied. And the Bible says when they sat down at the breaking of bread, that all of a sudden their eyes were open, and they knew that it was the Christ who had been walking with them. And they said this, did not our hearts burn within us as he expounded the word of God as we walked by the way. Let us pray. Father, today I'm asking you that you would expound this word to my heart today, that you would expound this word and give us revelation today, this word that I preach. God, this word that I believe is from your heart. Help me to do it right. Help me to preach only your words and only your truth. And all God's people said, amen. And so I want to look at that verse in verse 15 of 24. 
Let's look at it a little closer. So it was while they conversed and reasoned in their own mind, in their own great matter, they are trying to figure it all out, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Pastor Josh preached a message last week and did a wonderful job on it. Chained to the chariot that honestly, and I think he mentioned this, was a message that really changed my life as a young man. I had listened to that message probably, I'm not exaggerating, probably 100 to 150 times. I wore out a couple cassettes. I listened to it time and time again. Such a powerful revelation in my life. Chained to the chariot. Pastor Josh did a great job. Amen. And I am so thankful for him and the anointing that God has placed upon his life. You know, as I look back over the years... From that time in my life when I first received that message that my job was to stay chained to the chariot no matter what. That God, everywhere I put my foot, is conquered ground. As I look back, I would say that I think the Lord would say this and be in agreement with this. That I have in my life endured some hardness. I feel like I have put my hands to the plow and not look back. I feel like the Lord would say that I have persevered and I have endured like Jesus said to those that church in the seven letters to the seven churches, which is all good. It's all good not to to keep your hand in the plow and not look back, but as I progress through life, I've realized there's a little bit more to it than that. There's another layer to these things that I want to share with you today. What was Jesus expecting from these disciples? Why are you talking while you're walking and you are sad? Why are you sad? Why are you dejected? These disciples had lost their joy. What Jesus was looking for, what I have determined that Jesus is looking for in my life, is not just to keep doing it, but understanding that my Heavenly Father wants me to do nothing out of necessity or as a grudging obligation, but that He loves a cheerful giver. He wants me to stay chained put my hand in the plow, persevere, but always do it with the joy of the Lord in my life. The joy of the Lord is a fundamental in the kingdom of God. Romans 14 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. They were dealing with certain subject matter, but here's the foundation. These are the fundamentals, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we lose our joy, we lose our strength. Nehemiah, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord, everyone say it together, is your strength. When you lose your joy, you lose your strength. When we lose our joy, we lose our power to overcome 
in this world. Isaiah 12, therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, God spoke to me years ago in a rhema word with this verse. It impacted me so much that I went down to Lowe's and I bought a little black bucket. And I went by the mailbox letters and I picked up three letters, J-O-Y, and I stuck them to that bucket and I preached a message about the joy of the Lord. And here was the revelation. The revelation was there's, there, there's a well of salvation. Everything that you need in this world is in that well. But despair, unbelief will not draw it out. With joy you will draw from the wells of salvation. And I have learned in my life that salvation is mine in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all around me. In fact, it's in me. The kingdom of God is in me. But the way I draw that out is with the joy of the Lord. When we lose our joy, we lose our power to be a witness for Jesus and to bring glory to God. Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Cleopas was called to be a witness. It's amazing to me that when you look up the definition to the word Cleopas, it means the glory of the Father. Which is what we're here in this earth to do, to bring glory to the Father everywhere that I go. But when I lose my joy, I lose my power to be a witness and to bring glory to God in my life. It is the joy of the Lord that is attractive to those around us. It is not your church going. It is not your Bible verses that you know. It is not your claim to be a Christian that moves people. It is the joy of the Lord that attracts people to Jesus in your life. Can I get an amen? In this Via Dolorosa Way of Suffering series, have you seen it yet? I know I have. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you preach, every verse you give seems like you see it. Example, 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But, but rejoice. If you've lost your joy, then rejoy. <laughs> rejoy to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. What about James 1? Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great. Do you see it? Everywhere you turn. One of the most amazing ones is in Acts chapter 5, when they were threatened not to preach Jesus anymore. And just to put a little emphasis on it, they strapped him down and they beat him down. We don't know if they got scourged or just beat with a whip. We don't know. But I can promise you it wasn't a pat on the diaper like we do sometimes. It inflicted great pain in their life. And when they were released, listen to what it says in Acts 5. So they departed from the presence of the council blows me away. 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, I want to tell you, I don't have it. And I know, as I preach to you, because I know you, and you're my family, you don't have it either. But I want to tell you, that's what Jesus wants us to have right there. That when I've been beaten on my outside, and I've been threatened on my outside, that I can have joy on my inside and rejoice that I was counted worthy to suffer for my Jesus and with my Jesus. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to learn. And so when I read that, and think about those guys who got beat and rejoicing. I have to ask myself a question. Lord, what is joy anyway? Because obviously I don't understand it. Obviously I don't know. What is joy? Is joy something that comes after the battle is over and the pain, the pressure has ceased? Let me read that again. Is, is joy something that comes after the battle? When the pain and the pressure have ceased? I don't think so. Listen to Paul, 2 Corinthians 6. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He is, he is enumerating all the troubles and difficulties that he's going through in his passage. And he says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So obviously, Lord, I need to think a little bit more about what this means, joy. Listen to what he said in chapter 7. I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. So obviously, joy is not something that comes after the tribulation. It must be something that happens while I'm in tribulation. Next verse says this, for indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Get it. Our bodies had no rest, and we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God didn't lead me that way. God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And Titus had a message of hope. So I want to ask the question, I've Googled it before in my life, maybe you have too. What is the difference between happiness and joy? We get them confused a lot. Even people who are old in the Lord, they've been saved a long time, we still don't understand the difference between happiness and joy. So in my little own way, I'm going to try to help you give a definition to it. Happiness is determined by the delightful things that happen on my outside. When the conflicts are gone and good things are happening, happiness comes. But the problem is, when conflicts come, and when bad things come, my happiness goes. And everybody knows that's the case. And so I live an unsettled life, double-minded and unstable in all of my ways. But what is joy? Joy is something on the inside. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't produce it. Only the Spirit of God can. Joy is when the Holy Spirit begins to cast out the fear that is tormenting me on the inside and begins to fill me with 
his hope. But listen, even though the conflicts on the outside may remain, it's something that happens on my inside, but my outside didn't change. Conflicts on the outside, but joy on the inside. There's a story that I was thinking about as I was preparing this. It's the story of the Shunammite woman. And you know how Elisha the prophet would travel by her place. And so frequently would he come that he made a prophet's chamber for him. A little room, a little table, a little chair, a little candle. For him to get some rest as he was journeying in his ministry. One day Elisha says, Gehazi, his servant, what can we do for this lady? She's been so good to us. And Gehazi I said, well, she doesn't have a child, and I know she wants a child. Call her to me. She comes in. About this time next year, you will have a child. Oh, my Lord, don't lie to me. Don't just, no, really? Yes. And so it was. A year from then, she had a little child. Some time passed. Let's call him a little four-year-old. He's out in the field with his dad. You know how little four-year-olds are following in the footsteps of their dad, being out there where dad is in the field farming and doing his thing. And all of a sudden, he says, my head, my head. I'm hurting, dad. Something's not right. Take the child, bring him home to his mama. The mama took him as only a mama could, caressed him, nurtured him, put her up in his lap, put him up in her lap from morning till noon, and the child died. Child died. She runs out to the field. Baby, I need you to give me one of your servants and saddle a donkey for me. I need to go see the man of God. Why are you going to see the man of God today? Is everything okay? It is well. That's all she said. She gets to serve the saddle donkey. She says, hey, don't slacken the pace. Bring me to the man of God. And so they went. And at some point, the man of God, Elisha, saw the Shunammite woman coming. And he said, Gehazi, go out and meet her. And I want you to see this in verse 26 of 2 Kings 4. Please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Ask her this, is it well with your child? And she answered, and everybody said, it is well now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. Gehazi came near to push her away, but the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then the story is the young boy was raised to life as Elijah went and laid upon him. Some of you know the story. My question is, what is joy? How is this woman drawing from the wells of salvation when her whole world is rocked and everything is falling apart and the child that was promised to her by God has been taken by God? What's going on inside of you that you can say it as well? I don't think she's lying at all. She is going through a transformation in her spirit and she knows that, you know what, though everything on my outside is going wrong, 
there is a God on my inside and I am going to draw from the wells of salvation with the joy of the Lord because God will help me. God will see me through. It's going to be okay. You know, as we sing the song, I used to sing, I used to be a song leader, by the way, and do my hand, did all that stuff. It is well written in the 1800s, 1870s by a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. And he was a lawyer, businessman in Chicago. Had the world by the tail, a believer. God was blessing him in such a powerful way. Had a little boy, four-year-old, four little daughters. In 1871, his little four-year-old boy died of scarlet fever. The same year, 1871, was a great Chicago fire, and he lost much of his fortune in that Chicago fire. Two years later, he's going to take his family on vacation in Europe. They're going to sail across the Atlantic and vacation there. At the very last minute, his wife Anna, four little girls, are going to board the boat. He gets called away in business. He's got to meet them later. He sends them across by themselves across the Atlantic. At some point in, the, in, in about four days out in the journey, in the trip across, that ship struck another vessel and it sank. His precious wife, Anna, was spared. She is hanging on to debris out in that ocean until she is rescued. But his four baby girls die. They drown. Anna gets across. She sends a wire. This is what it says. This is all it says. Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio boards his ship. He's going to go meet her there. About four days into the journey, someone comes and says, hey, this is where the ship went down. This is where you lost your little daughters, and in that moment, a transformation took place in his heart as God, who comforts the downcast, begins to minister to, minister to his inside. And hope filled his heart, peace filled his heart, and he wrote the words to it as well. First verse, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like Sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How do you do it? How do you do it? I can think about my little five grandbabies and drown as I'm serving God and loving God and doing all I know to do, and all of a sudden they didn't get raised like the Shunammite's woman. That's not my lot. That's not what happened when I prayed. That's not what happened as I was serving God. How do you do it? Then whatever my lot thou has taught me to say, it is well. Ladies and gentlemen, that is joy. That is the joy of the Lord. It's not happiness, but it is the joy of the Lord. I can say it is well because there is a well. And I draw from that well and let the
let the Lord Jesus Christ bring me comfort and peace that passes all understanding. Can I get a witness in the house? You see, listen. Let me expand the definition of joy. Joy is a calm delight. You've heard that. It's the supernatural assurance, the rest of soul that comes from knowing that I am in the will of God. And though this is bad, and though this hurts, I believe that my heavenly Father is working all things together for my good. Joy is knowing that nothing is touching my life that the Lord isn't aware of or in control of. And so I cheerfully give him my worship. I will wait on him in joy and not lose heart because I am convinced that somehow, some way, someday, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I pastored a church named Emmaus. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know why. When I took over that church, I didn't never ask Brother Nathan Furman why he called the church Emmaus. I literally wanted to change it when I became the pastor to something a little more vibrant than Emmaus. I don't know where he was in his life at that point. I don't know what revelation that he had, but I can say to you by the, the, the journey that I've been on, the things the Lord has spoken to my heart, I would have no problem whatsoever calling it Emmaus because Emmaus is a powerful place. The road to Emmaus is a familiar road to the child of God. The road to Emmaus is a road of encounter. It's where I encounter Jesus. It is where I learn from him. Take my yoke and learn from me. It's where I learn from him. It is where transformation occurs. It is where my eyes that will restrain all of a sudden see that he is raised. And I can have hope. It's where the fear of Cleopas is turned transformed to the joy and peace that is ours in Christ. It is a road where our circumstances most often don't change and our problems don't go away, but our perspective changes. We just see it different. The road to Emmaus is a road where the Via Dolorosa is transformed into the Via Benedictio. You didn't know I knew that word. I'm impressing you with my Latin where the way of suffering is turned into the way of blessing. It is where my sorrow is turned to joy. I didn't even realize that song had this in it. Psalm 30, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. Nothing has changed in my life. The things that were making me fearful are still there. The things that were oppressing me are still all about me, but you have turned for me. Somebody say amen. My mourning into dancing. I've thought about, meditated on, as I was preparing this message, went back and looked at it, at Hebrews 12, Scripture, where it says, 
let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This passage is, of course, causing us to be thankful and to give him honor and glory for what he's done for us. To look to him that when I'm yoked to him last week, I'm, I'm, I'm tied to the chariot. Every road, is, every path that I go on is victorious. Every step that I take is victorious. It is that. But it's more than that. It's exactly like Philippians 2. He said, I want you to look at your master as an example of how to endure this race that you're running on, how to do this. I want you to understand that when Jesus was going down the Via della Rosa, Rosa carrying the cross on the way of victory, he wasn't going down the road with the bystanders jeering, saying, hey man, what's up? Hey guy, good to see you. How's those legs doing? You doing okay over there? Hey, guys, you know, no way. He's in agony. In that garden, he wasn't going, you know what? No big deal. Send the world on me just a short time. Scourged, beaten, crucified, no big deal. No, he's in agony. Sweating drops of blood. If there's any way, Father, let this cup pass from me. Prayed it three times. And he realized he's not getting out of it. There's no other way. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. When I was thinking about this, I remember that movie, The Passion. I'm going to show a clip in just a minute of this particular scene, and Mary is running, and I'm not going to give it away. But the first time I saw it, I thought I was going to have to leave the theater. My insides were convulsing so bad as I was crying and weeping as I thought about what Jesus has done for me and what Mary. Let me show the clip, and then I'll talk some more.
What's the key? I'm in agony. See, mother, I make all things new. I'm hurting, but there's a joy set before me. I'm walking down the path that my heavenly Father has asked me to. And I can see myself sitting at the right hand of my Father. And my joy is to be pleasing to Him. And oh, Mother, listen to me. My joy is seeing you in the world that I'm dying for to see you. See, I was the joy. As one of the songs, the worship songs sing, says, I was the joy that was set before him. I want you to eradicate these thoughts in your brain. Even Pastor Lisa and I was talking about this week, this thing of what is happiness. Get rid of it. Happiness is waiting for good things to happen in my life. I'm on vacation. We're sharing a good meal. We just bought a new car. Everybody in the house has seemed to act, be acting, you know, like they got some sense for a little t- for a change. Now I'm happy. You'll be double-minded the rest of your days. But when you understand that joy is understanding the purpose and plan of God in my life, and I will carry it out no matter what I'm feeling at the moment, no matter what conflicts are coming my way, because good things are going to happen in my life. See, Mother, I make all things new. To trust God, to believe and know and understand that the Spirit of God is in me doing what needs to be done in my life that causes me to carry on and bring God glory. It will bring God no glory when you're the Cleopas and things are not going right in your life and and you are wearing it on your face everywhere you go. You are speaking it out of your mouth and we are but flesh and it happens to all of us and and it happens to the best of us. Just like the Apostle Paul. I want to close with just three or four scriptures. I actually want to stand to your feet. You to stand to your feet as I read these to you as we understand a little bit more about the joy of the Lord versus happiness in life. Listen, when you get the joy of the Lord, you will get happy. When you get the joy of the Lord, you will laugh when it's time to laugh, but you may cry when it's time to cry. When you have joy, you will have hope. You won't be a glass half-empty person at all. You will have hope in God. 2 Corinthians 1, here's the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through. Team, you come on up about the trouble we went through. I love the Word of God. It's transparent. It just shows everybody. It exposes, you know, these men of God and these women of God, and we just see them at their raw and their weak moments and their failures. It doesn't hide anything. I think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, what we, the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed. Come on. 
We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Listen very carefully. But as a result, transformation started. We stopped relying on ourselves. We stopped having the Cleopas conversations. We stopped talking about how bad it is, how bad I feel, and I don't know where we go from here. We stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And if I die outside of God's will, God promised to raise me. God's will will be accomplished in my life. And then he says this, and he did rescue us, and he will rescue us again. And we have placed our confidence in him that he will continue to rescue us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Time out. But that rescue isn't a rescue from your circumstances. That rescue isn't getting all your problems worked out. That rescue isn't making the bad things go away. That rescue is a rescue of your soul from despair and hopelessness. Can I get an amen right there? Who I said a lot right there. Now understand, Paul, why you could say in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Paul, you didn't say, look at my life, see what's up, what I'm feeling, see what I'm seeing, listen to what I'm hearing. You didn't say turn on the 530 news and go rejoice. And look at the world, and it seemed like it's, everybody's going crazy. And look for the good, though. Look for the good, though. Look for the good. Look for the good in people. Look for the good in the world. Can I tell you, you do need to look for the good in the world. You do need to look for the good in people. But that will never bring you joy. Because that's going to come a day when you can't find what you're looking for. That's exactly why Jesus, when the disciples came back and said, Master! We're so excited. Even the demons are subject to us. It's so powerful. We're taking, you know, the kingdom of darkness by storm. They can't stand against your name and the power of your name. And Jesus said, I saw saw Satan fall away. Nevertheless, do not rejoice. Remember that? Do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are found written in in the heavenlies. Now understand why you're saying that. Because there's going to come a day when I'm going to get martyred and those people that are filled with devils, I won't have any power over them and they're going to nail me upside down to a cross. And so if I make a pattern of having happiness and joy because of good things happening to me in my life, I will never have consistency. But my name and my place in God never changes. And so I rejoice in The Lord Jesus said it this way, these things I've spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You have the heart of an overcomer. Whatever the world throws at you, it doesn't matter. My joy can sustain you through whatever. It is well. One last scripture. Habakkuk. 
Though the fig tree may not blossom, we're going to sing a little of it as well. Can y'all play that a little bit? This prophet got it. I'm getting it. I'm learning. I don't know where I'm at on the scale of one to ten. The Lord might say a one and a half. Maybe he'll say a six and a half. I don't know. I know I've got a long ways to go. Because like you, I've trained myself to look at things around me. Come on, somebody. Can we just be honest? Just raise your hand if, if, if I'm telling the truth. We've trained ourselves to look at the things around us, to get up in the morning and how we feel, what we see and how that plays on our emotions. We're up and down and we're all over the place. TGIF, happy. TGIM, not so much. TGIC. Thank God it's Christ. Thank God I'm in Christ. Whether it's Friday or Monday. Whether I'm on a mountain or in a valley. Whether it's storming or it's blazing down sun rays upon my life. I feel like it's in my spirit. The Lord's saying, it's time to get this. It's time to get it. It's time to get it in your life. It's time to get it in the people. It's time to get it in my body. Like this prophet had it. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet... Come on, let's preach it together right now. Ready, read. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. How many of you need to grow up today? Raise your hand high. Come on, put, put up two. I need to raise. I really need to grow up in this. Now, before you think this is some high-level spirituality, for those people that are going to get baptized today. It's for you and I every day. It's a fundamental. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Train these eyes to stop looking around. Train this flesh to stop feeling what's going on around. And train this heart to look at God and His plans and His purpose and His love and His faithfulness. Sometimes I go around my shop praying. I say, Lord, I know this, but it really does something to me when I say it out loud. I say this, Lord, you have never, ever one time failed me in my life. Lord, you have never been too early and you have never been too late. You have never abandoned me. You have never, ever one time for one second but unfaithful in my life. And oh yeah, Lord, I just know this. That's the same. It holds true for everybody in the world. You have never let anybody down. You have never forsaken anyone. You have never been wrong. You have never, ever, ever mistreated any individual. You have never been unfair, Father God. And so I joy in you. No matter what the conflicts are on the outside, 
and I'm despairing even of life, there's fear on the inside. Holy Ghost, you're in there. Holy Spirit, you're in there. Breathe. Breathe your joy into my spirit. Breathe on me right now, Holy Ghost. on the deck of that boat looking out at the very waters that took your precious daughters. Saved alone, what should I do? What a joy in the God of my salvation. No man could have done that. But God will meet you where you're at. Today, I just, He wants your cheerful, cheerful worship today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what needs to happen, no matter what you need to do, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, as eagles, not eagles. Where are you at today? Come on, somebody. Let's sing this song from our spirit. My prayer this weekend, my prayer this morning was, Lord, breathe upon our people. Breathe upon our people. Teach us this word today. Fill your people with joy. Help them stop running after happiness. Let's sing this song. Let's sing a little bit of this song. Anybody need to come and just lay it all down right now? Anybody need to come and just give the conflicts that are on your outside to the Lord? Anybody need to come and let the Holy Spirit begin to breathe on you and remove those fears from your inside? Would you come? This is what it means to follow the Lord right here. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I follow you. Take my life. Everything that I am, I lay it all down.
favorite verse. Come on, right here. Of this again and transforms you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to ask all those who are going to be baptized to go ahead and go ahead and make your way. We're going to sing a little bit as you prepare over there. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I wasn't planning on being baptized, but you know what, I'm all in. I want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to give him all that I am. I not only want my sins forgiven, I want him to be my Lord, my Christ, my master, my leader. Because I know he knows best. Can I get a witness in the house? You can be baptized as well. Today, right now, we're going to sing Graves in the Gardens one more time. How many of you know that's true as well? You shouldn't be here today, by the way. You shouldn't be here today, by the way. There was that time back there. There was that situation back there. That was that moment in time that you shouldn't be here today. But guess why you're here today? Because he's the author and finisher of your faith. He took that grave and he turned it into a garden one more time. Can I get a witness in the house as we sing? Come on, come on, Justin. Here we go. The world. He couldn't feel me. Woo! Man's empty praise, treasures and faith. Never. You came along Put me back together Every desire is now satisfied
Thank you. 